Well, good. Whoa, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Rich. If I haven't met you yet, I'm the pastor here at Living Hope. And uh, hello to all of you joining us online. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true, that the Lord does meet us right where we are. Uh, right, whether it's freezing cold outside, whether we uh, uh, you know, had a great week or a really rough week, uh, whether we're walking in today um, just full of joy or whether we are full of all kinds of other emotions, God meets us right where we live. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together uh, to, to, to warm our bodies, sure, but to have our heart formed as well by your presence, by your grace. Uh, God, we pray that you'd help us to be open to you and whatever it is you want to say and do in our hearts and lives today. Uh, please, God, help us to connect with you. You're here and you've got us here. <laughs> we, are, we are ready, God, to hear from you. Um, help us to be honest with you as well, God. To, to open our hearts, to open our lives to you so that we can experience your grace touching every aspect of who we are and what we bring into this hour. Um, God, you know that some of us, uh, like I said, that we're walking in just full of joy. We've got lots of gratitude to offer you today. Thank you, God, for all of your good gifts. Uh, some of us are walking in with all kinds of anxiety or apprehension or questions or frustrations. God, all kinds of stuff. And God, I pray you'd help us to to not try to hide any of that from you, but just to be honest with you. Uh, just to say, here, here I am, God. What can you do with the mess I'm bringing you now? Because God, you are faithful. You are good. And every time we offer you a mess, you end up making something beautiful out of it. So help us, God, to be open uh, to your, your work in our hearts and lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... I've got some bad news for you. Uh, <laughs> we don't have musicians this morning. So we've got uh, some volunteers that rotate doing the, the music thing. And the ones that were on the schedule for today who are available, the, the only ones we had available this morning, uh, texted this morning saying they can't make it out because of drifting and that kind of stuff that they've got at their driveway. And uh, so we're doing a no music Sunday today, which some of you have been here before for one of these. And you're like, ooh, good, I love these. Some of you uh, are like, uh-oh. Uh, what does that mean? I'm not sure I like that. Uh, so usually on a Sunday morning, at this point, I'd be inviting us to stand and to sing, and we'd sing, you know, like three songs together, and then we'd pray, and then we'd greet each other and have a message and go on with the service. Instead of the music today, because we don't have musicians, and I could just stand up here and, like, lead us in some song a cappella, but <clears throat> let's not do that, all right? Um, Instead, we're going to worship God just in different ways, all right? Instead of offering God our worship in, uh, in song, we're going to pray to him. We're going to read some scripture together. Uh, we're going to gather around tables and talk to each other for a little bit. And so that, you know, 15 or so minutes that normally we sing some songs, we're going to spend that talking to God in different ways, all right? Uh, so there are some verses uh, that are going to be on the screen from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read some, and then we're going to read some of it together, all right? This is just something to kind of prime the pump and get us thinking uh, about God's goodness and his presence with us. Uh, this is from the Apostle Paul's letter to these early Christians in Rome. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. 
And then this part, I would like for us to read the next few slides together, if we could. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying, look, we have seen in Jesus just how far God will go. Uh, that when we find ourselves in all those kinds of trouble, and Paul had been in those kinds of trouble at different points in his life, and uh, he said no matter what kind of trouble we find ourselves in, Jesus meets us there. Uh, and we get to share in his victory over them. I mean, even death itself cannot separate us from God's love. Jesus' death and resurrection shows us that. So um, something we're going to do... Uh, so I don't know about you, but in, in my heart, I'm just like, hey, thank you, God. <laughs> you know, thank you that when, uh, when the temperature dips below zero, when uh, we're not able to get all of our volunteers here, when uh, the heat isn't as warm as we'd like it to be, or there was one Sunday where we just didn't have power. You know, it's time for church. And I'm like, no power. Okay, I guess we're going to deal with that. Uh, some of you are dealing with much heavier stuff than that. You know, when the job goes sideways or disappears, when health uh, pops up, and uh, rears his ugly head, or insurance complicates that whole scenario. Uh, <clears throat> when you don't have a place to live, when, uh, when life gets really, really hard, does that mean that God no longer loves us? No, it does not. God continues to be with us, and God continues to be at work no matter what. So I find myself thanking God for that. I find something inside of me saying, oh, thank you, God. I need your presence. I need you to be with me uh, in all of those things. All right, uh, we're going to take just a moment, and, and uh, we've got one more verse we're going to read together, but first, I need you to find some people to talk to about them. Um, so if you're sitting by yourself, you've got to uh, find a way to somebody else. If you've got three of you, that's, that's good. If it's just two, oh, you've got to add at least one more. So if there's two of you, either find somebody by themselves and coax them to come to you, or you go to them, or something. All right? I see Bill getting up. Romeo's about to get up and find a table to, to join someone at. Somebody's going to have to join Cindy over here because she's not going to be able to get up and go to you. Um, so, because we're going to take like five or six minutes to share some things together. And, uh, <clears throat> all right, good work, good work. You're finding each other. That's good. That's good. Tom, you're going to have to join somebody back here, all right? So do whatever you want to do here. Get connected. So just walking in, we're going we're gonna to have a little conversation together for five or six minutes. So you've got to find a little group to be a part of. Oh, at least three. At least you've got to have at least two other people with you. All right, and he... And here's the theme for these next few minutes, all right? It's these verses. I think, do we have Philippians 4? Is that what's next? Uh, all right, good. All right, if you can look at the screen, we're going to read this together too, okay? Let's read this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And I'll read this part for you. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So go back to that slide right before that, the first part of the verse. Some of you, I know, you're walking in with stuff that you're worried about. And so there are two things we're supposed to do. Uh, we're supposed to tell God what we need and thank him for all he's done. So let's start with the thank, thankful stuff. At your table, just say your name and something you're thankful for lately. All right? Now we're not going to give you a lot of time to do this. You've got like a minute and a half to get around your table. Okay? Go! All right, I hope you made it around your table. Is, is there anybody that wants to just real quick share with the rest of the group something that you're thankful for? Yeah, Christina. For what? I heard the, you can skip that first word. Freedom. Freedom, all right. Thankful for freedom. Anybody else something you're thankful for? The sun, the sun? <laughs> yeah. Thankful for me? Oh, great. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Can you go and kill the music back there? Just hit that next line. Anything else you're thankful for today that you just want to share with the rest of the group? Friends. Friends. Somebody that didn't already share something. Christine and Diane, you already shared something. Yeah. Not in so much pain now? Very cool. Yeah, anytime you've got less pain than you had before, it's something to be thankful for. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? Something they're thankful for? Oh, Lisa. Thankful for prayer? Yeah, and the opportunity to connect with God and share the things we need. Okay. Um, you got one more? Yeah, I got one more. Okay. 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 People. Thankful for people. Yeah. You had one? For the patience that you're that you're having, that you're no, no, patience in life. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Like, to be more specific, I was shopping for a, uh, a new used vehicle this whole past week. And, you know, and God works in mysterious ways. I I had seen a, a, a vehicle that like about eight months ago and I really wanted it and mm -hmm. it just kind of fell apart in my life. Mm -hmm. If you couldn't hear that, and I know you guys online couldn't hear that, so he was thankful for, for patience, and he was patient and able to, he's been looking for a, a new used car and was able to find the car that he was hoping to find, and it was available, and there it was at the right time. Yeah, perfect. Very cool. All right, so uh, that's kind of sharing the things we're thankful for, and we're, we're not pausing and, actually, let's, let's pause and pray for a second. Thank you, God, for all the cool things that were just shared around these tables, things that we're thankful for. Uh, it's not just some, a, a feeling that we have in our hearts. We want to express that gratitude to you. So, God, all those things that we just shared with each other that we are grateful for. God, we are, we're grateful to you. We're thankful to you for the blessings in our lives. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. All right. The other half of that, if we want to experience God's peace, is the tell God what you need part. So, again, we're not going to take a real long time, but... 
go around, and if there is something that you find yourself in need of or worried about lately, then share it with those two or three that you've got around your, your group. And if you walked in and haven't grabbed a group of two or three, grab a group of two or three. Go find somebody and just share something, if there is something. And that's, feel, feel free to take a pass, all right? Not everybody's got to share something because this is the part that's a little harder, right? Uh, and if it's somebody that you don't know very well, you might not want to share the, the deep, dark thing that you really are worried about these days. But if you're willing to share it with somebody else, uh, please do. And then we're going to pray. So you got like a minute and a half again. All right, let's go. All right. I hope everybody was able to share the things that they wanted to share that they're needing prayer for these days. I would love for us to... You know what, I wasn't going to have everybody share all of those just now, but, but do let me say, if there's something that you want more than the people around your table to know about, and you want prayer from, from, from other folks, uh, after the service, come grab me, I'd be happy to pray with you, or you can grab one of those little green cards back there and jot it on there, and drop it in the box, and I'd be happy to pray for you this week as well, uh, for whatever you got going on, but uh, rather than have people shout out things that they're in need of prayer for, I would love just to pause for a moment and pray for all those needs that just got shared, okay? Thank you, God, for hearing the cries of our hearts. Whether we express them out loud or not, uh, you know what we go through, you know what we need, and God, we are so grateful that we don't have to worry. Um, we know that you are a loving Heavenly Father who knows our needs even before we ask. Uh, Jesus taught us that, and we believe it. And so, God, we, we lift up to you our needs and those things that we go through, uh, because we truly do believe that you care about us. You care about the things that we face, and you want to give us wisdom uh, when we have decisions to make. We, we, you want to give us strength and courage to move forward with the things that you've already told us to do that, uh, that, that make us nervous to do them. God, you want to give us uh, peace in place of the anxiety that sometimes seems overwhelming. Uh, you want to, to shine your light through the dark clouds of depression and, and give us moments of joy that remind us of your, your faithful love. You want to give us your mercy and your grace to forgive us when we have blown it, when we have sinned, when we have disobeyed you and, and wrecked the lives you've given us. And sometimes, God, the lives of people around us, thank you for being so gracious and good, willing to forgive us. Thank you, God, for the ways that you hear and answer prayers. Uh, I pray, God, that each person who was bold enough to share what it is that they are in need of these days, God, I pray that for each one of them, you would, uh, that you would show up in some visible, tangible, recognizable way uh, and soon so that they can have that reassurance that, yes, you have heard them and, yes, you are at work in their lives. Thank you, God. We pray this confident in your love because you've shown it to us in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I've got one more uh, verse that I would love for us to read together. It's one that we mentioned last week it's from the end of Psalm 139. And this is just the kind of that personal reflection kind of a question that says, Okay, God, uh, hold up a mirror for me. Help me to see what's going on in my heart and life. If there's anything going on in me that's not right, please help me to see it so that I can admit it to you so I can get forgiveness, so I can move forward and, and let you lead me down a better path. Could, uh, could we read this one together as well? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I just want to give us like a moment of silence, all right? I'm not going to talk to the people around you about this one. This is just going to be you and God talking to each other. And maybe you're going to pray that prayer again. Uh, maybe, go ahead and pop that one back up there. We're going to, this is going to be silent, no music or anything. Maybe you're going to pray that prayer again. Maybe you're going to talk to God about something you already know you need to talk about. Uh, maybe he's already been pointing things out to you. But just for a moment, just quietly sit with the God who loves you, who wants the best for you, who wants to lead you down a good path in life. Thank you, God, that you care so deeply for us, that you would help us to see what's going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. You know, God, that when we live just kind of an unexamined life, when we, when we never pause to reflect, when we never pause to listen to you, we can be pretty good at just racing through this life, running from one emergency to the next, and God, we can be pretty good at convincing ourselves that, uh, that we're doing what we're supposed to, that we're being obedient, that we are living uh, an upright, a good life, when in fact there's some stuff going on that we need to deal with. So God, I pray that you would, that you would hold that mirror up to us, that you would help us to see ourselves the way you do, which means that we're not going to despair when we see something ugly. Uh, we're not going to feel condemned or rejected because you do not condemn or reject us. God, as you point out things in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives that, that need to change, that ought to change, uh, God, you point those out because you want what is best for us, because you are at work for our good because you want to bring out the full beauty of the person you created us to be. And you want to see us join you in this work that you're doing in the world, of blessing the people around us. And you know that we can do that best if we stay close to you, if we, if we live the life you created us to live, if we don't get bogged down or sidetracked or derailed by all, all the different things that can, can take us off track. So help us, God, to see ourselves the way you see us and to have that hope of knowing that you, the God who made us, that you really do love us and you really are at work for our good. Thank you, God, for the opportunity today just to, to connect with you, uh, to connect for a little bit with each other and uh, to find ourselves reconnecting with your work in the world. We are so grateful, God. And we pray that for the remainder of this service, you'll help us to hear your spirit speaking to us as we open the scriptures and, and read together as we, uh, before we go, as we gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. Would you, would you meet us here? And would you send us out uh, with a new confidence or a renewed confidence in your love and in your grace at work in our lives? Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we're at that point of the service where I would be asking you to stand if you weren't already standing. So let's stand up. And uh, I got something to say to you and you got something to say back. The peace of the Lord be with you.
Thanks. Most of you sounded like you meant that. That's good. So we're going to take a couple minutes to extend that peace to each other. Uh, it's time to shake someone's hand or give them a fist bump or something. And you could say peace of Christ to you. You could say happy Sunday. You could just introduce yourself. All right. While you guys are still making your way back to your seats and everything, I just want to say hello again to all of you joining us online. Again, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here at Living Hope. And it's a little bit different Sunday for us when, uh, when our musicians can't make it out through the, through the weather, but it's still good. God is still here, and uh, I'm thankful for all of you who are, who are joining us in the room and those of you joining us online. Um, if you are joining us online, there's a couple ways you can connect with us. Uh, you could go to, uh, oh, is that all goofed up? Thanks for fixing it. Uh, you could go to uh, livinghope.info slash connect, and you can fill out a little online connect card and uh, let us know you're with us today. Let us know how we can pray for you. Thank God with you. You can ask a question. Uh, or if you want to share it with the world, you can just pop something into the comments on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you are, and, uh, and ask away or share whatever you want to share. Uh, you can give online as well, too. That's good. All of us in the room, you can do that, too, if you'd like. Or in the back, there's a little table, and there's green cards on it. You could jot your question or your comment or your uh, request for prayer or whatever on that and drop it in that box. If you're giving today, you can drop that in there, too. And uh, we want to thank you again, all of you who give so faithfully and participate in the work that God's doing through this church. All right, one thing uh, that if you didn't grab it last week, you can grab today. Out there in the lobby, uh, a little stack of little brown journals. And uh, we would love for everybody to have one of those uh, this year because we're going on an adventure together uh, into whatever the future is that God has for us, all right? We don't know what 2024 is going to hold, right? We might think we do, but we don't really. We have no idea what God's got in store for us, what good thing it is that God wants to teach us or do in us this year. And one way to make sure you don't miss what God is doing is to pause periodically. Maybe you build it into a routine. Maybe every morning or every night you, you take a moment and you write a little something. Uh, you, the things you noticed today or the things that you felt like God was saying to you today. Uh, maybe you only manage to do it every week. Maybe you just do it every time, you know, it pops into your head or whatever. That's fine. Just uh, it's an opportunity for you to kind of keep track of the things that God's doing in your life. So grab that journal uh, on your way out. If, there's, if there are any ladies here that want to join uh, the Women Tuesdays at 1.30, that starts uh, this Tuesday, doing a study of the names of God. I'm not sure how many weeks that's going to go but, uh, or how long it lasts each day, but I think they meet usually for like in between one and two hours. kind of depends on the day and, and how much they have to share. But if you want to be a part of that, let us know because uh, I think they've already got the books ordered, and if they need to order more, they want to do that. And then uh, you can see there on the back of this thing that uh, we are doing this overnight warming center. We've been doing it since January 1st. We had 16 people last night, is what I'm told. That's what was on the sheet. Uh, I wasn't here, but uh, some of you were, and we're grateful that we were able to provide some, uh, some space for you to stay warm and, uh, yeah, and to survive the, the winter. Uh, so if you would like to be a part of that, if you'd like to uh, either be here overnight and help supervise a shift, or maybe you want to pick up laundry uh, and, and wash it and bring it back, or um, you want to bring some snacks or some food, some things that people can grab and go with, uh, that would be great. Any way you want to participate is a fantastic thing. All right. Uh, if you got one of these, then inside there, you can see some notes for this morning. I had somebody ask me, like, hey, is your dad preaching today? And I said, oh, no, me? Why? And I'm like, well, there's blanks. There's blanks to fill in. It must be Pastor Dwayne uh, preaching today. I've just, there are only six of them, all right? So uh, we are, uh, I, I'm hoping that all of us will approach this year as an adventure uh, to see where it is that God will lead us this year. And I mentioned last week three resources that God gives us for this adventure, the Bible, the church, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible that God uses to shape our imagination, to help us to look at life the way he looks at it, and to look at each other the way uh, God looks at, at, at the people around us and at ourselves. So the Bible really does shape our imagination. The church is, is these companions on the journey. I'm not talking about some institution. I'm talking about people, right, that are on this journey with you. Um, 
and the Holy Spirit uh, who guides us, who empowers us, who helps us to connect with the God who made us. Yeah, question? What adventure, whatever adventure God has for us in this new year, we don't know what it's going to be. For some, for some of you, this year is going to be an adventure of, of growth. You're going to, uh, some of you, it's like an educational thing. You're, you're learning something new, graduating from something, who knows. Some of you, it's a, you're going to start a brand new job. Some of you are going to have something change in your family. Uh, none of us know what it is that God's going to have us do this coming year. To jump in the sewer, that would be, a, that would be an adventure, that's for sure. Yeah. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. That's one reason that the church is so important. We got people around us that can help us to say, are you sure that's God telling you to do that? Let's, let's talk about this a little bit more uh, before, you, before you make that jump. So today we're going to talk about that first resource. We're going to talk about the Bible. All right. And this part of this is, is a little bit like the whole, uh, you know, this is a football kind of a thing that, uh, uh, that sometimes coaches have to do, just kind of get back to the basics. Uh, some of this is just kind of some back to the basic stuff. There's a, there's a little Bible project video, like four minutes long, we're going to watch in the middle of it. And I got some practical stuff for us to do with it. That's the blanks you're going to have to fill in uh, in just a minute. But uh, this, this passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is the Apostle Paul talking to his young protege. Uh, he tells him, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. He's saying, you know the scriptures, and so they've led you to Jesus. They've led you to put your trust in Jesus. That's one of the, things that, one of the primary things the Bible helps us to do. And he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Well, this is what the Bible is for. Uh, this is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to prepare us for whatever good work he has lined up for us. So that when that moment comes, because we've been reading the Bible, because the Bible has shaped our thinking and our living, then we're ready for that moment. We're prepared. We're equipped for what it is that he wants us to do. Um, and that's why it's so important that the Bible is a part of every Christian's life, Right? Uh, and we've got some on the tables. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, uh, you can steal one of ours, okay? Uh, it's not theft. You get, you've got permission, all right? I'm about to order some more, so we'll have more for next week. Um, so that Deb's over here like, yeah, you better order some more now that you're promising. She's been telling me to order more for, for weeks now. Um, <clears throat> uh, it's important that you have a Bible that you can read, that you can understand, uh, so that you can connect with God's Word uh, on a regular basis. Now, I put in there just some things the Bible's not, because we approach the Bible in some pretty funny ways sometimes. Oh, I thought there was one up here. Oh, there is. Good. Sometimes we approach the Bible like a magic eight ball. Any of you, any of you remember the magic eight ball? It's that little toy. It's like a giant eight ball, and there's a window in the bottom. It's full of some kind of blue liquid or something, and there's like a triangle or some kind of dice inside. And you ask the eight ball a question, you shake it up, and you turn it over, and it gives you an answer like, uh, definitely yes, or, you know, uh, all signs point to no, or some, you know, some, some answer like that, right? And, uh, and some of us approach the Bible that way. We're like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. Let me, let me see. And I, we kind of flip through the Bible, and we just kind of stop at a page, and, and we read, so Hiram finished all the work he had undertaken for King Solomon in the temple of the Lord, the two pillars, the two bowl-shaped capitals on top of the pillars, the two sets of, okay, God, what, what does that have to do with the problem I've got right now? We just read some random verse, and like, how do we expect that random verse to have anything to do with what we're going through? Now, I, I got to say, I've heard some of you tell me stories before about, you know, I was, I was struggling with something and I flipped up my Bible. My Bible just opened to this passage and you read something and it was meaningful. Thank God when he does that, all right? But that's out of the ordinary. That's not the way he intended the Bible to be used. It's not a magic eight ball that we just bring our questions to and flip to a page. It's not just a collection of inspirational sayings on different topics. 
you know, uh, some of you, you've got, some of your Bibles might have a little helpful index like that. You got questions about anxiety, try these verses. You got questions about what to do with your life and sense of purpose, and try these verses. That's a good thing. But the Bible obviously isn't organized like that, right? Uh, it's not just a collection of inspirational sayings, it's, it's, and it's not a set of step-by-step instructions, as helpful as that might be. Uh, have you ever wished that the Bible was like that? You know, just like, okay, uh, it's like your, your auto manual, right, for your, for your automobile. Uh, there have been times, whether it's Stacy's newer car or my old minivan, where we, like something's going wrong and there's a light on the dash. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And I'm looking it up and I find it and it's like, okay, do this, do that, do that. Oh, okay, good. Solve the problem. It'd be nice sometimes. Sometimes I wish the Bible was laid out that way. Um, it seems so much simpler. But that's not what we have. That's not what God has given us. And it's not just a rule book. Uh, there are parts of it, yeah, and we looked at some of those parts this last year. There are parts of it that are rules and instructions that God gives to his people. Here's how you're supposed to live. Um, whether it's the Old Testament and the laws that God gave to the people through Moses or, or the New Testament, some of the things the Apostle Paul says to churches saying, hey, live like this, don't live like this. Uh, there are some of those things, but that's not primarily what the Bible is. So some quick Bible facts. Uh, the Bible isn't just one book. It's a collection of 66 books. The word Bible actually means like library. It's a, it's a library of books. 39 of them in what we call the Old Testament. That's the first part before Jesus. 27 of them in the New Testament. That's the second part after to describe the life of Jesus and after Jesus. Uh, these books were written by many different authors, around 40 of them, over many years, around 1,500 years, and include several different literary genres. You know, there's poetry, there's narrative, there's uh, like prose, there's all kinds of different uh, literature present. The writings were received into the canon, that's just the church word for the official list of scriptures, as they proved to be inspired, or God breathed, all right? <coughs> so the church had letters from Paul and had letters from this guy and that guy, and, and over time, some of these, as the church would read them together in their services, in their times together, they'd say, you know, wow, we hear God speaking through this. And others, they're just like, yeah, that's interesting, but you know, God's not really moving you know, through that. And it was interesting that over time, there was kind of this consensus that developed that said, yeah, these are, God is speaking to us through these scriptures, through these biographies of Jesus, through this account of the early church, through this crazy book of Revelation that we just spent time looking at last month. Now, our current English Bibles are translations of ancient manuscripts originally written in Hebrew and Greek, a little bit of Aramaic in parts of the Old Testament. Um, so we're not looking at, like, <laughs> I've heard some people that, like, love the King James Version of the Bible, and I, I grew up with that. You know, all the these and the thous and all that stuff. Memorize some verses and that. That's still what comes out of me sometimes when there are certain verses that, that pop into my head. It's, it's there in the King James. And I've heard some people that, you know, they say, well, man, if the King James version of the Bible is good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me, right? Um, <clears throat> he didn't. He wasn't speaking King James English, right? Then he was speaking Greek. He wasn't, you know, that's, they're all translations, right? We're always just reaching back and we're translating something. And, and there's always a little something that gets lost in translation, which is why it's good to look at a variety of translations. It's great to hop. I love going to BibleGateway.com. For some reason, that's the website I landed on. Some of you use that YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Uh, there's all kinds of different ways to make it easy to just look how have different translators translated this section of Scripture. <coughs> and just a, as a fifth little bit of information, the New Testament, that part about Jesus and after, has the best early manuscript support of any ancient document we know. There are other ancient documents from around that same time where we might have one copy of it that has survived down through the ages, or maybe two copies, just a handful of copies. But the New Testament, we have 24,000 
full and partial copies from the first four centuries with the earliest fragments dating back as early as uh, like AD 125. So just very soon after they were written comparatively, right? Now this seems weird to us because like, you know, all the stuff that we have now is like, it's written and it's online instantly, right? And we've got access to it right away and it kind of lives there forever. Although I found it doesn't always live there forever. Have you ever clicked a link to some old article that you saved, something you saved a couple years ago, and it's just like, oh, page not found. And like, oh, they redid their website. That page is gone now. I can't, I can't find that thing I thought was so interesting, you know, two years ago, five years ago, whatever it might be. Uh, so things don't even last forever on the internet sometimes. But the, the New Testament, when we look back at ancient documents from that time period, it is the best, uh, best attested. It's got the best manuscript evidence of like kind of accuracy. That helps us to be able to trust, wow, what I'm looking at, what, what has been translated for me by Bible scholars who give their lives to this work, um, this is a fairly accurate representation of what was being shared 2,000 years ago, you know, almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, we don't have to wonder, like, uh-oh, did the church change this at some point along the way? No, there's just not a possibility for that to have happened, uh, the way the history actually works. So, um, I love the people at the Bible Project. You can Google their name. You can search, put Bible Project in on YouTube and, and any book of the Bible you want, and there's a video for it. They wrote, they, they put together an interesting little series on how to read the Bible. And I thought this, it's just like four minutes long, about the Bible as ancient Jewish meditation literature. Found it fascinating. So we're, we're going to watch that before we continue. So the Bible is a collection of books written in different literary styles like narrative, poetry, and prose. And most of us are familiar with these kinds of literature. Yeah, we all know a narrative when we see one, like The Hunger Games or The Great Gatsby. And most people can recognize poetry, whether it's Walt Whitman or the songs of Bob Dylan. And every day we're surrounded by prose and news articles or essays. Now all of these examples are modern American literature in that they came from this time period and this region of the world. But there's also medieval English literature from another place in time, or ancient Greek writings from this place in time. So each time period and culture produces its own unique kind of literature. And in order to read the Bible well, we need to keep in mind that it comes from this part of the world and was produced in this basic period of time. So what's unique about ancient Jewish literature? Well, a key feature is that it lacks a lot of the details that modern readers have come to expect in stories and poems. And this makes it seem really simple. But actually, it's very sophisticated literature. Every detail that is given matters. And that's great, but the lack of detail means that stories are often loaded with ambiguities. I mean, take one of the first stories, Adam and Eve in the Garden. Where did this talking snake come from? And why did God allow him there? Why didn't Adam and Eve die on the spot like God said they would? And who's this offspring of the woman who will destroy the snake but is bitten by it? Yeah, so many puzzles in this story. And some of these are questions that we have and that are not important to what the author is focusing on. But some of these ambiguities are intentional. Intentional? Won't that lead to bad interpretations, people filling in the gaps with their own answers? Well, that's a risk the biblical authors took in writing this way. We all tend to impose our own cultural assumptions onto the Bible, but they apparently thought the risk was worth it. These oddities are really invitations into an adventure of reading and discovery. What do you mean? Well, for example, the strange promise about the offspring of the woman crushing and being bitten by the snake. That word offspring is a clue 
to pay attention to genealogies, which, lo and behold, run all through the biblical narrative. They trace the lineage from Eve all the way to King David and his offspring. And in the New Testament, Jesus is connected to the offspring of this royal line. Now, when you read the prophets, Isaiah connected this king to the suffering servant who would die on behalf of his people. And then in the book of Revelation, there's this symbolic vision. And can you guess? It's about a woman and her offspring. It's Jesus and his followers who conquer the dragon by giving up their lives. Yeah, so each part of the story there is loaded with ambiguities, but altogether, it makes sense. And this is the literary genius of the Bible. It forces you to keep reading and then interpret each part in light of the others. This is feeling complicated. I don't know if I can do all that. Well, you're actually not expected to notice all of this by yourself or all at once. This dense way of writing forces you to slow down and then read carefully, embarking on this interactive discovery process through the whole biblical narrative over a lifetime of reading and rereading. Ah, okay, meditation literature. Yeah, in Psalm 1, we read about the ideal Bible reader. It's someone who meditates on the scriptures day and night. In Hebrew, the word meditate means literally to mutter or speak quietly. The idea is that every day for the rest of your life, you slowly, quietly read the Bible out loud to yourself and then go talk about it with your friends, pondering the puzzles, making connections, and discovering what it all means. And as you let the Bible interpret itself, something remarkable happens. The Bible starts to read you. Because ultimately, the writers of the Bible want you to adopt this story as your story. So this ancient Jewish writing style, it must create unique types of narrative and poetry and discourse. Yes, and we'll explore all of those literary styles starting next with biblical narrative. Yeah, that's, and so if you watch the rest of those, that series, they go into all the different types of literature in the Bible and all of that. So I just found that helpful to, to see like, okay, so it's okay if I read the Bible and I don't get it all at once. You know, it's meant to be read over a lifetime, to be meditated upon. And over time, as you, and as I mentioned, as you talk about it with each other, as you study it, as you learn more, over time, you get to see more and more of the picture becomes clearer and clearer, and you get to see what it is that God uh, wants us to see. So I've, I've mentioned this before, this, uh, the page on the right, the one with the blanks, get, get your pen here, you get to fill them out. Um, <clears throat> I, I saw another pastor mention this before years ago, ooh, 20 plus years ago, and over a handful of times I've mentioned this to you because it's just different ways of how to get a grip on the Bible. You know, you kind of need all five fingers of your hand to get a good grip on the Bible. And so each of these goes with a different uh, finger on your hand, starting with your pinky finger, going all the way through to your thumb, and then you'll see there's six. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. All right, but your pinky finger is kind of the weakest finger, right? But it's important. You don't want to go without it if you can help it, and that's to listen to the Bible. It's the first thing. Listen to the Bible. Now, if you do this, if you listen to the Bible, you're really getting in touch with the earliest Christians because this is how they encountered Scripture. They would gather together, and they didn't all have a copy of the Bible. They didn't have a Bible app on their phone, because they didn't have phones. And so they would gather together, and they would listen to the scriptures being read in a service. You know, they didn't have like a little pocket scroll of the Torah they could carry around with them. So listening to the Bible is a helpful thing. And some of us, you know, you found it hugely helpful. You listen on your commute. You listen while you do the dishes. You listen while you're going through life. You pop the headphones in. You listen to it. You can do that with the Bible app. Uh, you can do that with Bible.com. It's the same people that put it out. Um, one tip. Each of these has a little tip. Deal with distractions and listen with the right attitude. Listen saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm expecting to hear you speak, not just whoever happens to be reading this, uh, this Bible, these Bible verses to me. I'm listening for your spirit. 
speaking today. So listening to the Bible is a good start. And then the second one is read the Bible. Use your eyeballs. You've used your ears, now use your eyes to read the Bible. That'd be your ring finger, I suppose. And we ought to be, we ought to be married to this one, okay? Reading the Bible uh, is something that is a meaningful, regular part of our lives. And uh, the tip here is to just get a readable, modern English translation. The ones on the table are the NIV, the New International Version. I put a couple other acronyms in there, the, the, the or abbreviations. The NLT is the New Living Translation. There's the Common English Bible. There's a bunch of them. If you go to one of these websites or the Bible app, you'll see, you can look at it in lots of different translations. If you struggle just to make sense of the English of the Bible you're reading, because you're still reading a King James Version or some Bible you got when you were a little kid, and, and it's just not current English, it, there's nothing wrong with grabbing a new one. All right, with grabbing one that's, that's more up-to-date, that's been translated into today's English instead of the English of a couple hundred years ago. So reading the Bible is a good habit to be in, uh, to make it a regular part of your life. And, and the third one is to, is to go like one step beyond reading, and that's to study. Study the Bible. Uh, to read it. So I've heard some people say that's when you read with a pencil. You know, that's when you start to underline things. That's when you start to notice things. You start to make notes about things, things that you notice, things that you have questions about that you want to you ask those questions and look for answers. You might grab a study Bible. I, I named a couple of them there. There's the Life Application Bible or the NIV Study Bible. I have copies of both of those in the office if you want to see what those look like. Concordance is helpful, yeah. I, you know what? A concordance is, is basically a book that lists all of the, like there's a certain word and you want to see every place that word appears in Scripture. You can look that up in a concordance. You know what? I, I used those when I was in seminary. These days, all I do is go to one of those apps, and I just type the word in, and it shows me all the places. So it's like built into these websites now. You don't need a separate book anymore. But uh, studying the Bible, uh, there, there's a verse I put in here for this from Acts chapter 17. As the Apostle Paul is traveling around uh, the Mediterranean world, he's in a town called Berea. And it says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, the last place he'd been. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I've not done it yet, but I ought to. I mean, after 23 years, I guess, maybe I, maybe I never will. But, um, you know, like sneak something in some Sunday, some verse that's not really in the Bible, just so that I'll find out who's really checking up on me to see if, if I'm telling you the truth or not. Maybe I'll do that sometime, all right? Watch me, would you? Um, but yeah, the, the idea of studying the Bible is just where you take it that next step. You ask some questions, you look for answers, and that's on that tallest finger because that's, that's where you get maybe the most growth might come from that. Uh, it's also that finger that should never stand alone, right? We've been teaching our boys that. They're, they just turned eight, and they're learning about the importance of not like pointing at things with their middle finger alone. Um, we haven't explained to them what that means exactly, just that it's rude and you don't do that. Um, and so don't, if you just stuck like just studying and you're never just like, like if... if reading the Bible, studying the Bible turns into just an intellectual exercise for you, then you're missing out on so much more that you need to be getting out of it, all right? And so that's where just the, the regular reading of it and listening for God speaking, the listening to it and listening for God speaking, and some of these, these others, uh, don't, don't let that finger stand by itself, okay? The, the fourth one, your index finger, is to memorize the Bible, memorize the Bible. And I, it's this finger because this is the one you might tap your, your head with, right? So put it in your brain, uh, or in your heart, I guess, is how the Bible usually puts it. Like in Psalm 119, where it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And uh, if you read the rest of Psalm 119, this is that longest book in the Bible, uh, where he goes on and on and on about the value of Scripture and the value of what God has said and how, much, how worthwhile it is to not just read it, not just study it, but to even, to even memorize it, to get it to where you could just say certain verses uh, because they're always with you. You carry them with you every, everywhere you go. 
Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil in the desert, in the wilderness, in Matthew chapter 4 and other places describe it, when he was tempted, he didn't say, hang on a minute, let me pull out my Bible app, and I know there's a verse in the Bible here somewhere about this, right? He just knew. He had the scriptures were in his mind, in his heart, and so he was able in that moment, the Holy Spirit was able to help him to like, you know what, I've read something about this, and he was able to quote what scriptures say about that. Uh, memorizing the Bible is a hugely helpful thing. And so the tip is start with verses that are meaningful to you, right? If there's some verse that you read and you're like, wow, that's, you know, that's important. I'm writing that one down, you know, or I'm underlining that one. Try memorizing it. Write it on a card or something and stick that card somewhere you're going to see it every day. Um, <laughs> this is years ago now when I was... Uh, more regularly at the gym, uh, running on the treadmill, uh, and I was trying to memorize a larger section of scripture. I printed it out on, on paper, and I took it, and I set it on the treadmill, and as I was running, I would, like, read it, and I would, I would read a verse, and say, you know, read a verse, and then I would kind of look up from the paper, and I would see if I could say it, you know, and I couldn't do this running real fast, because you just had a breath, right, because I was actually trying to say it. Um, <clears throat> it works a lot better if you say it than if you just think it in your head. But I would, you know, see if I could say it, and I'd look down, did I get it right? And then, oh, yeah, oh, I messed that part up. I'd do it again a couple times, and I'd look up, and then I'd look down at the next verse, and then I'd read those together, and I'd look up, and I, it's because at some point it's just repetition, right? It's just repetition. You, you look at it enough, you say it enough, you practice saying it without looking at it. My mom with, with little kids, what she'll do sometimes, she'll write it on a whiteboard, and they all read it together, and then she erases one word, and they say the verse together, and then erase another word, and you say it all again, and you erase it, and eventually all the words are erased, and everybody can still say the whole thing, because you've memorized it. You do that a couple times, you know, you do that once a day for a couple of days, and pretty soon you don't have to write it down at all. You've memorized a verse. If, if you're someone who said, oh, I've never been able to memorize anything, give it a try, and see if you don't find it helpful. Uh, the fifth one, and this is your thumb here, is meditate on the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. Work that, work that scripture over in your mind and your heart just like a little kid works their thumb, you know, sucking their thumb and getting everything. I don't know what they're getting out of that, but there she are working on it, right? Um, meditating on the Bible is, is where you're just reflecting on it. You're finding a way to focus on a verse all day long. Um, the verses I had here were the ones that they just quoted from Psalm chapter 1 um, or Psalm 1. It says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. It's, it's a psalm about the righteous, the people who are following God. And he says, meditating on the Bible, reflecting on it, meditating, just keeping it with you throughout the day. Um, is a, it's like a tree drawing nutrients repeatedly throughout the day from a river that it's planted alongside. It's like there is something life-giving in these scriptures and as you meditate on it, you find yourself getting more and more of that life from what God has said to you. So meditate on it. Reflect on it. And what you find is throughout your day or throughout your week, you find different moments where like, oh, you're starting to see that truth from a different angle because you're experiencing something different. Like, oh, and that verse applies here. And oh, that verse applies here. I can do something with that verse here. And that's the sixth one. All right, the sixth one's like the palm of your hand. If you're writing these on your fingers uh, for some reason with a pen, you know, listen, read, uh, study, memorize, meditate. In the middle, you could put the word practice or act, and this is putting it into practice. You act on what you've, what you've read. Yeah, you got another... That's right. 
See, she has memorized that verse. She's able to say it without having to read it. You know, study to show yourself approved. You know, right? This is, a, this is an idea that you want, to, you want to be diligent about this. And the sixth one, they're pr- putting it into practice, practicing the Bible or acting on it. Uh, this is where it all, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? You remember what Jesus said at the end of his Sermon on the Mount? He's just spent, Matthew's collected it into three chapters there. Oh, by the way, the folks at Bible Project, they're doing this whole year, they're working their way through the Sermon on the Mount. They're creating videos that are going to take you through the whole thing. Uh, so if that's something you want to meditate on this year, maybe Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, you could do that with the folks at the Bible Project as they make their way through. But Jesus said at the end, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, the, the one who didn't put them into practice, who heard everything Jesus said, but then walked away and didn't do anything with it, right? He said he's like somebody who builds a house on sand, you know? And if you've ever had little kids in a church Sunday school, you know there's a song about the wise man built his house upon the rock. You know, the waves came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. The house on the sand went splat, right? And maybe you've had experienced that. Maybe at some point you've experienced your life, you know, the storms of life coming, and your life kind of collapsing because you hadn't been putting into practice the things you'd heard. You'd, you'd heard good things about Jesus. You'd heard, oh, I know that God loves me. Yep, oh, and I know that Jesus has a life that he wants me to live, and, and he's, he wants to lead me in the way everlasting, to use the, the language of Psalm 139. Maybe you've heard this and known this, that yes, if I follow God, then I'm, I'm following the creator of the universe. My life's going to line up with the way the, the world works. This is going to be a, a better life if I would trust and follow God. You've known this, but you haven't put it into practice. And you found yourself living at cross purposes to what God wanted for you. And when the storms came, whatever you'd built your life on, it didn't hold up. But Jesus says, look, you build your life on following me, trusting me, putting into practice the things that I teach. That's, that's the recipe for a, a sturdy life. That's, that's the way to follow the plans of the master builder. That's a life that will hold up when trouble comes. I was just talking with somebody about this this last week, about some folks here in our church who are facing just life-shaking events and their ability to say, uh, you know what, I'm going to trust God anyway. Whatever the future brings, whatever it holds, I'm going to trust God. You know, if, it, if this ends up killing me, if, if this ends up, you know, ending, uh, my marriage ends up ending or my life ends up ending, uh, I'm going to trust God anyway because I know that God is good and I know that God uh, is at work. Um, so we listen to the Bible, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate it, and we put it into practice. This is a resource God's given us to help us to live this great adventure that he's got for us this coming year. And to ignore this resource would be just as foolish as like planning to go on a big road trip and neglecting to like put gas in the tank or check the tire pressure or, you know, to do some basic maintenance before you decide to drive across country, right? Um, to not check to see, are these tires bald before the snow falls? This is something I ran into. Like, oh, man, i got to get these tires rotated now. The back tires are better than the front ones. I better go get this done. You know, it would be foolish for us to just ignore this resource that God has given us. Because, again, he wants to use the scriptures, use the Bible to prepare and equip his people for every good work. God has good stuff for us to be involved in, good work for us to do. And he's ready to, to prepare us for it, to equip us for it. If we'll just use the resource that he's given us. We do this, uh, the Bible, the church, the Holy Spirit, these things are all connected. We don't do any of these like without the other. We read the Bible inviting God's spirit to speak. 
and to guide us. We read the Bible together, sharing with other people the things that God is teaching us, that we're hearing to make sure that, you know, we're not fooling ourselves and they can kind of help keep us on track, right? And the Bible rose from the church as the Spirit guided it and uh, inspired people to write. It's kind of the travel journal of God's people uh, as they are giving testimony to God's faithfulness down through the ages. So I uh, encourage you to listen to what God wants to say to you this year, this week, this day. (laughs) And don't ignore it. Don't just let it slip past. Pay attention to it. Meditate on it. Put it into practice. That's where we experience that peace. That's where we experience that good life that God has for us. We're gonna, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to celebrate communion together before we go. God, we are so grateful that out of love for us, you didn't just leave us to try to stumble through and figure this all out on our own, but you desired relationship with us. And we see that throughout the story of the Bible, you coming to us to guide us, to, to strengthen us, to rescue us, to teach us how to live in a way that... Uh, that is good, the way you created us to live. Thank you, God, for those who were willing to, to put uh, pen to parchment or whatever they used back then uh, to, uh, to write these words. Thank you for the good work of those who copied it, those, those who translated it, those who uh, printed it and bound it and sold it to us so that we could read it in the comfort of our own homes. Thank you to those who put the websites together and the apps together so that each of us can have your word available to us Anytime, at any moment, right in our pockets. It's amazing, God. Help us not to ignore this amazing resource you have given us, but help us to take full advantage of this amazing collection of Spirit-inspired writings. God, it's been my experience and most of us in this room could probably testify to the fact that you have used the Bible to shape our thinking and our imagination to help us to, to see the world in a way that we see you at work in all things. Thank you, God. Help us to be able to, um, to see the world the way you see it, to see ourselves the way you see us, to see the people around us the way you see them so that we can live in this world the, the beautiful life you created us to live. Thank you, God, for the sacrament of Holy Communion that we get to uh, participate in today. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We are reminded, God, that you held nothing back, but out of love for us, you entered into our brokenness, into our sin, even into our death in your Son, Jesus Christ. So that Jesus, by your death and resurrection, you could break the power of sin and death and set us free. Help us to share in that that victory, that overwhelming victory we read about earlier. Help us to share in your victory, to share in your life, to not live below uh, the life that you you have purchased for us. Help us to live all of the life that you have for us, God, by putting our trust in you, Jesus. We offer you ourselves today. I mean, what else could we do? in response to you offering yourself to us. We offer ourselves to you, and we acknowledge that we need your mercy and grace because we have not always loved you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. We need your mercy. We need your grace.
thank you that you are so generous with that grace. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have to walk around with a stain of our sin uh, being this constant reminder of the ways that we failed. We don't have to carry around that guilt or that shame. God, you wash us clean. You embrace us as your children. You strengthen us and guide us for the journey ahead, for the new life that you have for us. We are so grateful for all of this. Help us today as we celebrate this holy sacrament, as we receive bread and juice into our bodies, help us to receive your grace and to be changed by it. We are so grateful, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, normally there'd be musicians that are leading us in a song as we celebrate. We don't have them up here today. So today, as, uh, as you are willing, as you are ready, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the cup and eat it, and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, all of us who are hungry for his grace, who acknowledge our need of it, and who are ready to receive it. Uh, we've got the regular little pieces of bread. We've got some little round gluten-free wafers. Or we've got the individual cups if you need that. And if you can't make your way forward, but you still want to participate, uh, there are little cups on the tables that you can peel back and get to the bread and peel back and get to the juice. Let's celebrate and give thanks for the love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. God, we are so grateful for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with the spirit of Christ today, we pray so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, adopted into your family, filled with your spirit, sent out, filled with your grace and love to share it with those that you send us to. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.